Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris. Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Monday. It's Hale Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Got my uh, YouTube TV rocking here as Nebraska and Texas waging war against one another. Right now, Huskers down in uh, set number 3, 17-12. So a bit of a run by Bevo. We'll see if Nebraska can get things figured out. Volleyball is not something I'm an expert on. Uh, Jacob Padilla, Brandon Vogel, they're incredible at it, but I have a high, high level of appreciation for it. And tell you what, Cubic and company have been just money uh, today. So keep you updated on how things are going volleyball-wise for Nebraska. Texas is just a beast. Nebraska's great. I think I... Remember, in in Coach Cook's 21 years, he's been to like 10 Final Fours. So Nebraska is on like a John Wooden elite level uh, when it comes to volleyball. But just seeing Texas recover, they have just some freakish athletes. Not that Nebraska doesn't. Nebraska's got a a great group. They're phenomenal. They're the five seed, for God's sake. But Texas just – Texas has been their own worst enemy here with some service errors. And uh, you'll take it. Nebraska's served really well in set two as well. But Texas has just been able to get uh, too much going here on the outside. And uh, the thing that I notice about volleyball, and it's just like basketball where you burn a timeout, is to, to stymie that momentum. It's so important when a team's on a run. And uh, right now, Texas and O'Neal, uh, she uh, Asia O'Neill has five ki- nine kills, five blocks, and is hitting five forty five. So she's been uh, midi- medieval in the uh, the middle part of the court. There's my volleyball analysis, Elijah. Yeah, my volleyball uh, analysis is five hundred. I think that's over the Mendoza line. Yeah, no, I know <laughs> two hundred is the Mendoza line, right? So uh, we'll keep you updated on Nebraska volleyball. Plenty to get into with Nebraska football. Lots of spring thoughts as we got a chance to watch Saturday, and I know you've been inundated with some takes. How about through the eyes of a player, a former player, Brandon Riley, standout Husker wide receiver from Lincoln Southwest. He'll be with us in about 15 minutes. Get his takeaway on Omar, the wide receiver room, the offense, and uh, we'll go from there. Charlie McBride's with us Mondays from Charlie, and uh, Coach will get a Thought or two uh, on spring moving forward. And then at 525, Greg Smith will be with us. Had a chance to be on Greg Smith's podcast this morning. We talked some spring ball. And, you know, I can't take a a ton away on on the offensive or or defensive lines just because they didn't go live. I mean, you didn't see, aside from the Nebraska drill, where it was six people, one at every level, playing uh, let's smoke somebody. 
Uh, he had one-on-one with the defensive line, one-on-one with uh, linebacker and uh, tight end, one-on-one with wide out in, in secondary player, and then the running back tried to, to motor through uh, an alley. I, I love the, the Oklahoma slash Nebraska drill, right? So that was pretty early in the session. But from a rotation standpoint with uh, Corcoran and Piper and Juergens, uh, that's the, the the left tackle through center spot. You have Sichterman at right guard and then Benhard. Nuoli, uh, uh, Nuoli came in at left guard and also Brock Bando. And that's your teammate. That's your buddy from Southeast. And and Brock Bando's a big dude. You had uh, Ezra Miller working at some tackle. Trent Hickson's your number two center. So didn't see a lot from the O-line other than that's who was working with who. But, but you know, Bando's a guy... Did he play tackle or, or guard in high school before uh, he went to IMG? So before he went to IMG, he was playing um, – actually, his, his sophomore year, I think he played more defensive line for Southeast. He did offensive line. A lot of times you guys will, will, will go both ways. You'll play defensive yeah. line and, and an offensive line at the high school level, even at Class A, because you're – you're, you're good at it. <laughs> but but I remember from like freshman football, even when he was down playing at the freshman, it was uh, uh, tackle all day. Mm-hmm. And then he went to IMG. He was a tackle. Showed up at Nebraska and they uh, they stuck him at right tackle, moved him to left tackle, moved him to right. He's been all over that offensive line. I was actually uh, texting him this weekend mm-hmm. um, because uh, a video came up in my, in my memories on Snapchat of him, his freshman year spring game, getting absolutely burnt off the right edge by, I think it was Freedom. I think Freedom Akimuli. Freedom is earning the paycheck in the NFL right now. Yeah. Between the Giants and the Bengals. So, so I, I just sent him that, that video of it was me was, up in uh, South That was Cadre. nice of you to, to say, <laughs> hey, remember when? And, and his, his response Freedom, was, Freedom screaming off the edge. His response was, was damn, I've come a long way. And uh, I said, do you feel more comfortable at guard? And he says, uh, they aren't as fast, that's for sure. Sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> they being those fire-breathing defensive linemen. Uh, we'll hear from Feldarius Payne. Uh, a little bit later today is, is his transition story has been pretty good uh, off that uh, edge of that outside linebacker spot he's a guy that got after the the quarterback again in a limited setting but the talk really was about Omar Manning and Heinrich Harburg really those are the two guys and then of course Smothers uh, also a guy that that has uh, shown some things Adrian looked sleek and fast and and Tiny's not the right word, but he looked as quick and as explosive explosive as I've ever seen him. Uh, He looked so lean is the best term. Not skinny, but he looked lean. And when he's running the same drills as the running backs and they're going through the old uh, hands drill where you're running through – giant paddings that are set to to try and jack in and force you off kilter or the giant sticks that are swung down to try and strip the football adrian was so good at at accelerating and then just being kind of like shot out of a cannon that that's what i noticed his speed and agility on a different level this spring and that's something to think about from a running back standpoint i mean there was tompkins you saw in Scott, and they looked okay, but again, we didn't see anything live. But the, the the takeaway and the problem is you had more running backs watching than actually participating. But uh, Omar Manning stole the show, and that's not to overhype. But if that guy can can stay right and get on the field, he is phenomenal. You've heard the the comparison, Anunua, 
Mo Purify. I mean, he's that that level of difference maker at wide receiver because he can just go up and take the football. I thought all three quarterbacks had their moments going deep with the one-on-one drills where it was one-on-one corner versus wide out, and you're throwing a, a sideline route, uh, one that Brandon Riley made famous against Michigan State. And, and I, I enjoyed that part of practice quite a bit and some great touch and loft and accuracy from Adrian from time to time. Uh, Harburg is uh, a fantastic ball player for such an early age as far as his physical tools, uh, just how big and, and strong he is, right, and, and his arm is, is wow. And then even Smothers had some nice throws deep. So it, it, the jury's still out for me on what Nebraska wants to do and what they feel comfortable with, and that's okay with the backup quarterback spot. What did I learn? I, I learned that Adrian looks for real. Uh, I learned that Harburg, Harburg's got incredible arm strength and can make a lot of throws. And then I learned that, that Smothers is pretty decent still with his feet and getting better as a as a passer. I mean, those those deep out routes to the hash mark, if you're throwing from the left hash, the deep out to the right side, I mean, those those are 35, 40-yard passes. I mean, you got to... You got to get some giddy up on those with the wind blowing sideways or against the wind or with the wind. You still, it's an accuracy. That's why they do eight to 10 minutes of practice just at that one station a day because it's not easy. We'll scream and moan about the sideline pass, right? Well, they're, they're checking down to the running back again, the swing pass, the dreaded swing pass. And that throw sucks to make as a quarterback, even when you're not defending anybody. So, if you can complete it and execute it, you're getting a guy in space one-on-one and good things can happen. So overall, I like Nebraska's quarterback situation. I just don't know if you're ready to go all in on Smothers or Harburg because of their youth and lack of experience level as a as the guy to, to bet on after Adrian, if Adrian's unable to complete a full injury-free season. So that brings up the, the, the portal question, Elijah. And we still have a couple weeks left to spring football, and the coaches have plenty of time to decide. I love what they've got in Harburg. I think Smothers can continue to develop. And if Adrian stays right, don't worry about it. But you just you haven't seen that yet. Well, and with the the redshirt rule, you can play in four games. You don't necessarily have to have a true number two quarterback uh, as long as Adrian does stay healthy. I mean, if Adrian gets hurt, then you have to obviously go to a second guy, whether it's Harburg or, or Smothers. But as long as Adrian's healthy, I mean, how many times have we seen the backup quarterback come in because it's a blowout since Scott Frost has been here? It's not very often. So it doesn't I, happen. Yeah, there's not been there's, even with the blowout against Minnesota. I mean, Adrian took the snaps all game. I mean, you just you just don't have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if 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 your goal is is to keep Adrian healthy, I mean, you can do that. If you know Adrian is your guy, focus a little less on the quarterback run game. I mean, Adrian has showed himself to be pretty resilient to be able to take the ball uh, and, and you know go take some hits from some Big Ten linebackers. So maybe the portal isn't the answer. If you do have that redshirt rule, you can kind of bring in guys here and there. If Adrian has to miss a series, if Adrian has to miss a half, uh, stuff like that. But at, at the same time. I don't think I'd be mad about Scott Frost going and trying to find a transfer quarterback, that's you, for sure. You, no, you passed on on Burrow, and this isn't to, to dig that discussion up. I'm just saying, at an earlier point in, in your tenure here, you said, you know, we're not going to go portal shopping. Now, do you really you want to win games, and if you got to do it with a backup, would you rather have somebody else 
that's further along, even though he would be new to your system from a college football experience standpoint. What'd be really nice is to have Noah Vedral still here. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a thousand percent it. Uh, he's won games in the Big Ten, uh, not only, uh, and he's played well for Nebraska in the Big Ten, and, and he's doing his thing at Rutgers. That'd be ideal right now. That way you can continue to groom Smothers, you can continue to groom Harburg, and you'd have Noah here, A, pushing Adrian, but B, a guy that can come in and win some games for you. And just in terms of a name we're missing here, Matt Masker, I mean, he's been with the program, what, four years now? Is yeah, it? he's been – and listen, I'm not, I'm not purposely keeping him out. I'm just – He's obviously not the, the otherworldly talent that, He's fine. That, that that these other guys could develop into. Is he going to beat someone in the Big Ten? I don't know, man. My question is, if, if he's been here for four years, can he at least go and manage a game? Can he go hand the ball off enough? I mean, that, that's, that's been the, the talking point is you have a pretty experienced offensive line coming back. Um, you need to find a running back still. I want to get into uh, Yaquez Yant. Yeah, we'll uh, hear from you. Heard, heard good things about him. Um, I didn't make it down to the practice on Saturday, but I heard good things about him. But can, can Matt Masker do enough to manage a game and say Adrian has to miss one game this season? Can he come in and do enough a la uh, Riker Fife a couple years mm-hmm. ago, come in and do enough to get a win even though he's not the, the, the top quarterback in the room? All fair questions. Let's uh, hear from uh, Coach Fisher today on Omar Manning and just kind of what he does for that defensive back room, seeing it from their point of view on things. And the receiver room as a whole, pretty nice. And Omar was uh, was plenty of wow factor on Saturday from what we got to see. Yeah, I, I really think uh, I really think Omar's doing a, great, a very good job uh, picking up the, picking up some pace uh, the last few days. Just watch him on the back end on my side. But you know, really be honest with you, the receiver group. Um, um, not just taking away the steam from your question from Omar, but I think those receivers are, as a group are getting a lot better. Um, you watched it Saturday. You know, Omar made a bunch of plays Saturday, but that receiver group um, made some plays as well. Uh, so I think it's a lot of guys on the, on the offense side of the ball um, that are picking up some steam. And, giving, and, then, and then my guys get a chance to uh, have that kind of competition. You know, guys like Omar, you know, Every single play is a problem. All right? it's, it's, it's a problem. But guys get a chance to practice against someone like that every day, you know, get them ready to play against the big games. That receiver room is, is really nice. And, you know, a guy that I really liked, and, and he's not like on starter radar, but Baron Miles Jr. is, is quick and shifty. And I thought he, he did well. Uh, Nixon has got some moves to him. Uh, which is nice. Uh, Xavier Betts is just a glider. He's special, and he has more confidence to me. Whether he's going on a on a hitch route, or he's getting uh, you know putting it into six gear and getting downfield, I mean he's he can be special. He's, he's a guy you get the football to. Uh, Oliver Miller's uh, a a guy that is so savvy off the line as well, and. <laughs> He just, I should say, Martin, not Miller, forgive me. That was an Arkansas reference to it. One great fat guy down on the block back in the day. But Martin, he is so good at knowing his technique, getting a clean release, and then finding a way to get open. We talk about separation. You hear that from the coaches a lot, Elijah. And Oliver Martin's a dude that is able to do that whether it's against cam taylor Britt or whoever's trying to dm up he's just a savvy wideout so martin's probably your your 
best receiver right now as far as getting open and getting downfield and getting deep. And that is because of, of who he was working with. Again, knee-jerk reaction. Omar's your best like physical specimen talent. But Omar's still working not just with the ones, but also the twos and threes. And then you factor in Toure, where he was able to really get um, get some some movement uh, over the middle and in that slot. So, hey, you've got the room. Now you got to get him to football, and you got to get that room to be able to be on the field uh, down in, down out, and not worry about the consistency question. Uh, and I think your consistency is pretty good, but you still want to see it. And we're still a long ways away from football Saturday, so – uh, if Omar can keep at it, that's that's an added bonus, and he can be big time. Yeah, and my question is, is last year you had a, a guy in Wandale Robinson who whenever you needed a guy to get open, he could pretty much usually get open. Who is that guy going to be in the wide receiver room this year? They've got options, at least quick knee jerk after Saturday in the north end zone. you got three guys that can get open. Uh, Brandon Riley, former Husker wideout, his take next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Some more reaction from Saturday's open practice. We welcome in a standout wideout for Nebraska, the pride of Lincoln Southwest. Brandon Riley is with us. Find him on Twitter at BrandonRiley87. And on Instagram also, BrandonRiley87. Brandon, what's new, man? Good to spend some time with you. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, just up in Omaha now in the, in the insurance world and also helping uh, train some kids a few nights a week. So, yeah, it was great to get back Saturday and, and you know, get a closer view of the team and, and see some guys I've heard about but haven't seen in person. And, you know, I enjoyed it. So flip that around back when you were coming up. How did you process when your name was mentioned or you got to look out for this Riley kid. I mean, how did you, how did you deal with, with the, I guess the hype and the exposure when a coach mentioned you or some media focused on you? Yeah. You know, it it was always nice coming up and, you know, you're putting all that hard work and not getting much recognition. And, you know, it was always nice when your name is mentioned, but then I kind of always had the, the mindset, you know, whoever the reporter or what or coach said something about me, I wanted to prove them to be right. And, you know, I didn't want to make them look bad. So that kind of just turned another gear on and made me work even harder. Brendan Riley's with us on Hale Varsity. As you look at, at Scott's offense and the, the talent they've been acquiring at the wide receiver spot, give me a, give me a thought on just what, what you've heard and then what you saw Saturday without I, you get it, man. You don't you know how how dangerous hyperbole can be, but also you know how starved the fan base is for who's the next, right? So, what were your impressions uh, for Saturday? Yeah, you know, coming in, I'm just like a lot of other fans out there. You know, uh, you hear a lot of Omar Manning over the last year and a half, and you know, I kind of told myself, you know, I'm done believing into that hype till I see it in a game, but. You know, then I start and you know, I look out there and I see a guy resembles Quincy and Nunwa is kind of who I um, compared him to in my mind. Obviously, he looks different. He's big and fast. He he made a lot of nice deep catches, and you know, I don't know the whole story there, but man, I hope he can play uh, help us out in the fall. And you know, coming in here a lot about Toure, the transfer in, and. You know, he, I, what he showed me is what I expected. You know, a guy, he knew what he was doing. He was going to make the plays that you ask of him. And, 
And then Martin, uh, he kind of surprised me the most. I didn't know a whole lot about him. And, you know, I was watching. He's got some savviness. He's got some quickness. He's got uh, – he, he uh, looked a complete package to me. So I was uh, impressed with those three, obviously. And then you see Betts up close, and he's tall and long, and you can just tell he can fly. And hopefully he gets some more – a bigger role this year in the offense and can really stretch the field. I want to go back to your comparison, and there's two guys I, I think of that have played wide out at Nebraska over the last you know 15 years or so that were just different. One was Quincy Inunua, and Quincy had a really nice career in the NFL with the Jets, just a beast, your teammate. And then also I think of Mo Purify, right? Mo catching yep. fade routes in the end zone is – from a from a, a, a physicality and a physique standpoint, what does that allow uh, allow to happen on the offensive end? I mean, how how advantageous is that? You were a, you were a big physical receiver as well. You had speed, but if you get the combo of size, speed, and and savvy, I mean, it can do uh, it can do big things for the offense. So, what do you see when you kind of compare Omar to Quincy? How are their traits similar? Yeah, I mean, Quincy was, yeah, big, fast, strong, could jump. And, you know, I see a lot of similarities. And, you know, when it comes to game planning and, you know, say early in the season Omar's in there and makes a lot of red zone catches or he's stretching the field going up, that's just going to that's gonna move a safety towards his way every time. And that just opens up the field and, and makes those windows for Adrian to other guys a lot bigger. So, you know, I think the key to that offense is, you know, early on finding some guys who make plays where those safeties have to help in their direction and just opens it up. Um, you know, last few years, I feel we haven't had really that big body, big play guy where, you know, those windows start shrinking and, you know, makes it a lot more difficult on the quarterback. Brendan, the, the philosophy you heard from the Husker coaches pretty much all last year for, uh, for their wide receivers was no block, no rock. And, and I just want to get your personal experience playing under Coach Williams. I mean, I know uh, a guy in Stanley Morgan, he blocked pretty well on the outside, and I know he also had uh, some instruction from Coach Williams. So what did Coach Williams teach you about, about blocking in the run game? And uh, just how does it kind of impact the, the, your overall game as a whole as a wide receiver? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it just kind of, it just brings another attitude to the game. And, you know, we never really worked on blocking because Coach, Coach Dub always said, you know, it's just a mentality out there. He's like, yeah, there's some little technique deals, but at the end of the day, it's you just stop him from getting past you. And, you know, he always um, told the story when he was blocking for Marshall Falk in college. You know, he missed a block once and got it. Marshall Falk hit pretty bad and kind of banged him up a little and – you know, he's like, I'll never let that happen again. And then he also would say, you know, if, if you run a, a go route and you're wide open for a touchdown and you don't get the ball and you're all pissed and then the next day you're watching film and you see the running back uh, missed, his, missed his guy blitzing, you're going to be pretty pissed. But the same thing goes for the running back. If, you know, he has a home run run and you miss your block and he makes a tackle, he's going to, you know, think, why isn't he blocking for me? And you know, so it's a, it's a full team game, and but yeah, it just brings another attitude to the offense. A few minutes here, Brandon Riley, standout Husker, with us on Hale Varsity Radio. His uh, impressions of the wide receiver group from Saturday's open practice. Uh, you mentioned Oliver Martin, and, and that guy is savvy. He's been in a couple of different programs. You were part of a receiving core, and I kind of think of the the Iowa game, man. I think of the the Iowa game in, in fourteen where. 
Nebraska came back. He had a big catch. You had Kenny, Kenny Bell. Yeah. Kenny go off as well. And I, I think of the receiver core you had. You had DeMornay. You had yourself. You had Quincy for a time. You had Kenny. You played with Zoe, uh, Alonzo. I mean, that that was a, a great group. And, and I think Nebraska's back to having – you know, more bodies at that spot. What do you do as a defense when there's three or four options opposed to, to one guy? I mean, how did you see anybody take away one of your receiver rooms better than others, I guess? Defenses will have to adapt. you got to pick your poison. But it's it's got to be tough to pick if you're a defense if there's so many options to throw to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, back when we had Kenny Bell, who obviously could stretch the field like no other, those safeties got to start playing deeper, and and you know then Westy would catch a lot of those over routes, and, mm-hmm. and you know that's that's yeah, Jordan, why yeah. it, it it opens up those windows a ton, and and you know Saturday kind of brings back memories. I saw that the group of receivers out there having a lot of fun and warm ups, dancing around close close to each other, and you know that brings back you know to when I was there, we were very close knit group. We didn't care who caught the ball, we just wanted to keep moving the chains and put up points and. So, you know, last few years obviously been um, a little down with receiver play, but, um, you know, I don't want to drink too much of the Kool-Aid, but uh, but I'm excited for this year and those guys, and, you know, I look forward to a big year. Brandon Riley's with us. Brandon, what's your take on, on Adrian? He's been through uh, a lot here, uh, you know, three-year starter, freshman year, and then injuries at times, got replaced, bounced back, got his job back. Looks like a different Adrian from from our eyes who've seen him since his freshman year to now. Really fast and agile, and, and that arm looks healthy and ready to go. Some nice deep uh, t- deep shots on, on one-on-ones. But what's your takeaway with him uh, as a quarterback here and in his upside? Yeah. Um, you know, on social media, I, I, I've said over the years how, you know, I'm an Adrian fan, and 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 I agree with you. You know, last year he'd tell you he missed a lot of throws he should have. But you know, the last couple of years when you you got an O line that's you know maybe struggling a bit, you got some some receivers out wide who maybe don't know where to be at at what time. And you know, if the quarterback has a little doubt in his mind, that affects a lot. And you know, he looks leaner out there. He looks more confident, having fun. And you know, I expect you know that freshman Adrian that we saw to to come out and and even outperform that this year. And you know, I'm I'm hoping for him. He's gone through a lot mentally. It's a it's a tough position to play at this school, but you know, I think he's the guy for it. How did you gain trust with Tommy or your other quarterbacks that that you were with beyond obviously just the the Monday through Thursday practice session? When it came down to it, how did you kind of ingrain? All right, Riley's open. Let's get it to him. How were you able to work on that and and be trustworthy in big moments? Yeah, just, just confidence in the quarterback, knowing that you know the playbook and whatnot. And then, you know, whether it's a little thing breaking the huddle, you know, if I knew I had a go route or something, I'd be like, Tommy, just throw it. You know, I, I got you. I ain't going to let you down. And just little comments like that, you know, like, all right, I, I trust. So, you know, if a coverage rolls one way, I know he's going to be open over there. And, and we go from there. So, you know, you know, the Monday through Friday, you know, building that trust that you know the playbook and where to be. And, you know, at the end of the day, just making those big catches. So, did you say something to him ahead of the Michigan State, you know, final drive? Did you did you say, look, man, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna undercut this corner and 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 make the play? 
I don't think I don't think any words were spoken. I think we're all so tired. I think we ran all go about five in a row. And <laughs> you did. The only th- only person <laughs> I said some only person I said something to was Stanley Morgan because he was on that side and I knew the play. So I said, "No, nah, Stan, you're the young guy. You go over there. I want this one." Okay, so you told Stanley, "This is my my spot. I'm catching the play." on the sideline to, to, to take out a college football playoff team. So you told Stanley, and what was his reaction? Not all those words, but I knew I knew the, the ball had a good chance to go to the boundary on that play. And, you know, he, he, did, he, didn't, he didn't argue back. He, he knew he was a young guy. And, uh, no, we always joke about it to this day. I said, you know, you'll get – I knew you'd have your shot later in your career. Let me get a, a, a little recognition on this one. That's pretty good. Well, it was a big-time catch against Sparty. That was that was awesome. And uh, the E. True Hollywood story comes out here from, from Brandon Riley on Stanley Morgan. Uh, last thought here, Brandon, as, as you look at, at Nebraska and, and their schedule and kind of the, um, the, the thought here moving forward, um, you know, do you, do you like where where the offense can go? I know they're still kind of trying to settle in on a back, a running back, but overall, Adrian, the receiving core, the offensive line. Do you think the O can make a jump this year? I, I really do. You know, as you mentioned, you know, you got Jurgen. Mm-hmm. The, the O line obviously you know starts with the center. If you got your center quarterback combo, and you know you got big tight ends coming back, some key players. And and the defense took a big step last year, and so when you know you got most of those guys coming back and a, and a talented defense, that just that just makes it easier on the offense to know they're going to get stops, and you know just builds confidence in the offense. And I, I truly think that the offense will take a step this year. And you know I'm looking forward. To, I don't want to put a number on the mm-hmm. amount of wins, but. I'll just say more than last year. Sounds good, Brandon Riley with us. Brandon, best to you, and uh, thanks for a few minutes. We'll get caught up again. Absolutely. Thanks for your time. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Good stuff from Brandon Riley, uh, part of the Husker uh, receiving corps uh, that spanned the Politi era and the uh, Riley era, and uh, what a group of wideouts he was with. Quincy Anunwa, Kenny Bell, De Mornay, uh, of course, Mr. Hale Mary himself. Uh, it was pretty good uh, uh, with uh, with Riley to get his take. Husker volleyball in a dogfight uh, as it is 18-17 with a review going right now. And you have a uh, challenge by Texas right now, and that was confirmed. And uh, right now, Nebraska's serving here down one. They were up by about four, and uh, then you had a timeout, a TV timeout, and then Texas reeled off quite a few consecutive points. So Nebraska got a block here just a moment ago. Uh, went off of Nebraska, and, and they're trailing. You just get into a whole world of trouble, Elijah, if you get down, not oh, not to a lot of people, but to, especially to Texas, if you're down two points, turns into down three, and then you're down three to four. I mean, that that's that's a mountain to try and climb to get just get back to even in volleyball if you're down to a team like Texas by a couple of points. Oh, well, yeah, because when you look at it late in this set, you got to score – Eight points in the time it takes them to score, you know, six. Yeah, I mean that's that's difficult to do, especially whenever two high level teams like this. It tends to go whoever's 
not serving is getting the points. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. like that. It, it takes some some either some very good serves or just some some real effort. So Nebraska volleyball is going to have to fight this one to force a fifth set. Uh, I, I always like Nebraska volleyball in a fifth set. Even, mm-hmm. if, even against a good team like Texas, they ha- they bring just that get energy. Him, get, him the, get, get me to five. Just get me to five, and I like Nebraska over Texas. But, man, this one, it's, it's going to be tough. They're going to have to fight just to get this one to five. Well, Lexi just tipped one over, and then it was paused. So she is discussing with Nebraska's bench and someone with the NCAA. So hopefully Nebraska can get a point here and, and bring it within two. So Husker basketball, and we'll spend time with Jacob Padilla. Is Coach Cook's challenging right now? Yeah, you have a a good size wing in uh, Keon Edwards that was at DePaul. Now he had COVID, didn't see a lot of action DePaul, but he's a four star get that went to um, went to DePaul, and he, he technically going to be a freshman because of the transfer setup. Matt Abdelmassi making this thing happen along with Coach Hoiberg. Played his junior year at Hillcrest Prep in Arizona, the number 22 overall player in the 2021 class. My God. And and Nebraska just adds to kind of their all-star recruiting roster right now here coming in. And he's a guy at 6'7", that is able to to play multiple spots, good mid-range game, his jump shot's nice. And also, he's he's a finisher at the rim, so don't have quite the numbers on his three-point work, but if you're a mid-range and a rim finisher, you can work on that three-point game. Originally out of, out of South Carolina, uh, a nice get for Nebraska, and you look at just the, the talent level they have with the shooters, the scores, and guys that are, are multifaceted, and it came down to, the, to kind of the NBA pedigree with uh, with Keon here for Edwards saying, look, I want to go to go to Nebraska here. You had a lot of guys. I think DePaul recruited well. DePaul didn't play well. Their coach is out. And um, it's it, it's kind of a fire drill right now. It, it's some other programs, DePaul being one of them, where high-level guys that got recruited well. I mean, you know how good the Big East is. But uh, they moved on from their coaches. Nebraska is a benefit. And again, we're seeing more information or more examples of it's okay to finish second to a recruiting to a recruit uh, because it may come back to help you out if there's a transfer situation or a coaching change. Yeah, and at the moment, the the real only hole I think even needs to be filled by a young guy or maybe even another transfer coming still is that that center spot who's going to be able to go d up a guy that's you know that that seven foot prototypical Big Ten center. Uh, who's that going to be? Derek Walker could do it at times last season, but he found himself getting in foul trouble because of how physical he had to play those guys. Um, you have the the kid out of was it Latvia as well as Wilhelm Breidenbach coming in. Are either those guys going to be ready right away? I don't know. But other than that, I mean, I see positions one through four as being pretty filled for this Husker team and with depth behind them. There are options, and you can you know run with who's going to going to make a difference momentum and shooting wise. The thing that I'm interested in is, is it point guard? Okay. Got to ask yourself and talk to yourself about this. Is Banton the answer at point? Is, is McGowan's the answer at point? And, and I go back and forth because when they'd isolate, Banton would go behind his back and at 6'9", good luck stopping him getting to the rim. And when he was on and finishing, uh, he was 
beautiful to watch. But as far as his three-point shooting and his outside shot, that's what he'll work on. Uh, from a McGowan, McGowan standpoint, Trey really kind of settled things down after they got back from their COVID break. And he got better at taking care of the ball. He's such an explosive athlete. He can get to the rim off of a pick and roll. And I think, honestly, he's a pretty unselfish guy. Uh, so I, I'm. there's going to be more practices. And Hoiberg said this last week. He's like, look, man, we have 46 more practices in a normal year where they can continue to drill and, and get better with the fundamentals. So I think you can get better. You can get uh, more wise at taking care of the basketball. You can get more comfort level in the offense and with your teammates and the chemistry around you. All of that can happen because it was a uneven year last year. I'd love a point guard. I'd love Chucky to be in Lincoln, mm-hmm. truth be known, to run this offense for me. But I think Nebraska has some guys to do the job at point guard. You just you, you know they need to put the work in in the gym and also more practice time because they'll have non-conference and a Big Ten slate next year. I think Nebraska can can challenge for that next tier. They competed in a lot of games this year. With the crew they got coming back, we'll see if they can win some of those games. Right now, Nebraska uh, put a little bit of a run together. They're still down uh, 22-19 to to Texas with Texas serving. So it is danger time for the Big Red. See if they can get... A stop here, get a point, and uh, Texas able to to just uh, dunk one again or spike it down, and uh, it is getting awful difficult here for Nebraska and John Cook here in set three. Mm-hmm. And before we, we get out of here this segment, I think one name you're, you're missing in this Husker basketball talk here is Bryce McGowan's, because I think what, what is really good about Delano Banton is he, he brings that length to the point guard spot. Mm-hmm. There's not many point guards in the Big Ten that can – match up well against him and, and that's what the positionless basketball from from Brett Hoiberg brings is he could bring the ball up and still technically be your, your three in your sets sure um and, and Bryce McGowan's also brings that length and he brings the ball handling and then you also would have the the, the brother chemistry there with Bryce McGowan's and Trey McGowan's at your one and your two um so I, I think he's a really interesting name how actually college basketball ready is he you you expect five stars are going to be ready but mm-hmm. you never know that's he was not forgotten on intentionally but you've got two guys that have handled the ball quite a bit last year. Mm-hmm. What kind of jump can they can they make? Uh, five-star can come in and be better than the other two. Absolutely, to your point. Huskers down to, to match point here. We'll wind down a hour one. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. What final time this hour? Charlie McBride's coming up, and we'll talk with Greg Smith. Some thoughts on all the visitors here for the spring game and beyond. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Husker volleyball season comes to an end. Texas wins the fourth set, uh, 25-21. Nebraska put a run together, drew within two, but eventually too much. Texas, a reminder about uh, West Blue Realty. You sell in your home this uh, season, this year, this 2021 Spring, Hey, you could get a pretty penny for it. Uh, West Blue Realty, they specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. They'll help make 
that next move, a smooth one for you for a limited time. You mentioned Hale Varsity. West Blue Realty will provide up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Give Tom Luby a phone call or Kelly Hofschneider. Here's Tom's number, 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider, give Kelly a call at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue, westbluerealty.com. Get an appointment today and uh, go see him. Win in Lincoln, if you're in Lincoln, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. So plenty of spring football thoughts with the open practice. Omar, wow. Uh, Buddha, uh, Javen Wright, wow. And we'll get into some of that hybrid positioning here, going after the right guys and being able to project somebody that's diverse enough to cover, to run, uh, to, to attack ball carriers, and, and also – Get after the quarterback. I mean, think of, of how invaluable and good JoJo Doman has been as he's grown into that nickel kind of hybrid role at the outside linebacker. Feldarius Payne is a guy that you look at that outside spot, can go with his hand in the dirt or or stand up. Uh, that That's incredible, but dudes like that don't grow on trees. And kind of the guy they're grooming, two of them, honestly, uh, Buddha Wright and, and you got Gifford. Uh, who uh, we saw a lot of, lot of Gifford at Southeast, and he's a special talent, a special athlete that's kind of learning the, the the do's and don'ts right now. But man, he can play ball, and he's got great size and athleticism. It's nice for Nebraska to have a couple of guys that can maybe be the next JoJo, and that's saying a lot because JoJo's really played a, a lot of high-level football here. And I would just like to say, uh, Isaac Gifford, his freshman year at Southeast, uh, he got one varsity snap that year. And uh, he was at quarterback, I was at center, and he fumbled the snap. Uh, so you're like blaming say, him? I'd just like to say, look at us now. He's on Nebraska. I'm doing radios. There are levels to this, but but I didn't fumble that snap. That was that was all him. So <laughs> why were you at center? Um, because that's actually where I, I played growing up. Was they had me you at didn't center? Play a, you played a tackle, though, didn't you? Uh, by, by my senior year, yeah, I was I was I was better suited for tackle. I think too by that time. Well, you're tall. Um, yeah. So they, they moved me out to tackle by that would have been my, end of my. I think year. I saw that game where Gifford came in and as like I think we're on the air. Okay, no, that that must have been junior year then. Okay, what year was that? That would have been 20, 2015, Yeah. So I think me and Garth were doing the games and we're like. Whoever came in at center just absolutely botched his quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever this no-name at center is. Who's this hairball? <laughs> I probably just jacked your name, too. Uh, whoever whoever this this new center is for the Knights really did gif a disservice, man. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, we probably did the game. We probably called the fumble, and we probably kept it. Eh, it's an accident. It's both both drivers fault hey we won the game and he's in nebraska now so that's all right uh charlie mcbride's on the way it's hail varsity presented by the nebraska lottery welcome to hail varsity radio the voice of husker nation insight opinion expertise with the biggest and best names talking nebraska across the state join the show on twitter at hail varsity and at schmidt's underscore radio call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865 here's chris schmidt 
Thanks for hanging out. Hour two with Tale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Incredible season for the Husker women. Volleyball falls to Texas in the Elite Eight. We'll have some more thoughts on that. Spring football reaction as we get to watch practice Saturday. Uh, Greg Smith with us here at about 25 minutes. It is that time we say hi to Mr. Blackshirt himself. Mondays with Charlie. Coach Charlie McBride with us. Coach, it's not snowing as heavy as it was earlier, but it's still snowing, and we are deep enough into April. I'm I'm a little frustrated. Is it snowing up your way, or is the weather better? Oh, no, it's raining. That's <laughs> it. But I tell you, the temperature is 40 right now in rain. Okay. So I have the thermometer, outside thermometer, sitting right next to me, so I keep an eye on that thing. <laughs> Do you uh, do you I give it? A, done watching, I just got done watching the girls play, and yeah. uh, that wasn't a happy scene. But mm. they're pretty. They're, Texas is good, you know, and uh, they've got some uh, size that really is overwhelming almost. You uh, you put it perfectly, uh, and I'm not a volleyball expert. I just know that it's impressive with how great Nebraska is year after year with Coach Cook. And I was watching Texas. Nebraska, about any other team, wouldn't respond the way Texas did with coming up with some rallies. But, I mean, what is very few times Texas didn't have an answer. You know, they, they're, they're, they're just that talented. Right. And it's unbelievable. That, you know, volleyball's getting to be a pretty good sport in women's athletics, I think. It's, you know, they're getting, they're getting better every year, mm-hmm. it seems. It's high level. So do you give the old thermometer a pep talk as only you can do from time to time, or do you just kind of leave it alone? Well, my pep talks get me in trouble, so I don't do them at home anymore. (laughs) That's funny. I got got the other day, I said I had a laugh. I said, nothing can go right ever. I'm getting a surgery tomorrow on some basal cells, and my wife has shingles, and we it's like a friggin' hospital ward. Man, <laughs> shingles are no good, and and I'm sorry to hear you're you're getting surgery tomorrow. But we'll. Oh, we'll, that's it's it. All they do is take you in there and whack it, and so put a bunch of stitches in you and send you home. Well, you're so you're, come you're back in, come back in a week and get the stitches out. It's almost like a spa day, really. Like yeah, you're going yeah, there just taking care of you. Yeah, it's not a it's not a spa day, Elijah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you're uh, you probably just knowing you, you're like, hurry up and stitch me up. I got fish to catch. That's, so that, that, that's what I do. Get you know, I, I try to make the thing as early in the morning so they don't don't wreck my whole day. No, I get it. Charlie McBride's with us, Sale Varsity Radio, <laughs> Coach. We uh, we did a uh, we had a chance to watch practice on Saturday, and it was you know not a lot to go on. It was great. I'm not complaining. It was great to go watch and see what's going on and there was a little bit of hitting but not a lot of hitting they'll do that uh behind closed doors more so and and then obviously on on the spring game but a guy that we've all been kind of waiting and wanting to see is is the wide receiver omar manning and and Mm -hmm. that guy's just kind of a wow factor dude because of how athletic he is and even in in drills, and we're all starved for football. Uh, he made made a lot of plays uh, with those one on one balls, and for years, you guys 
did a pretty good job of defending wideouts uh, that would go kind of change a game. But from a defensive perspective, what's your thoughts on, on a guy like Omar Manning, if he can get on the field consistently? And what's that like from a coaching perspective to get a guy to achieve that consistency where you can count well, on Well, there's two things. One, if he's on your team, the good thing is, is he, he makes your defensive backs better. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get a guy with great, really is, you know, top flight player, and your defensive backs are working against him every day. And I, I, I always felt like our offensive line was, was as good as we're going to see. And mm-hmm. our guys, uh, both the young guys on the scout team and the and the uh, the guys that we had, they're playing against the best players they're going to see all year. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is the same thing. I think it's an advantage to have somebody like that. You don't want to have to play against them. You know, sometimes there's teams like, you know, you looked at uh, LSU maybe a little bit last year at a couple of guys and and Alabama and had had a couple of guys that could really, you know, magic, you know, with the football and really catch it. And they probably started throwing and catching balls at two years old. Who knows? (laughs) But, you know, it's – it's really, it, it's kind of kind of enjoyable to have something like that. And but the problem here's here's a thing that happens not so much with coaches as it, as it is with players. If the guy gets hurt and he can't play, he, there's a big letdown. Like oh, you know, they depend on him so much. Mm. I mean, it's good that he, he does what he does. Now, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but it's it can work. You know, the other way too. A lot of times, guys really take it to heart and I think right now they got enough good players hopefully you know that can you know if he, if something happens they can you know put good people on the field I don't I don't think there's any problem I like the kid from Omaha and, mm-hmm. you know that uh, that is a sophomore now maybe at, yeah who knows, who knows what he is after all this stuff is sure he might be just a freshman <laughs> I don't know <laughs> but but anyway, he, um, you know, there's there's some there's some good kids that that you know should develop into really top flight receivers, probably better than that. There's actually, I think, you know, we we were never a team with we might have had one or two guys, but that we didn't throw the ball enough to to go and get receivers like they have they have to for their their offense, and so they've got some they got some good good people. I mean, you know. Uh, I think right now they need to try to get it backed up with some guys in the backfield to take the pressure off of off of the receivers and not say we're going to throw the ball every play mm-hmm. you know, because that that's hard on the quarterbacks no matter how good your offensive line is because you can tee off on people when you're playing on defense if you know they're just going to throw it. Charlie McBride's with us. Hale Varsity Radio Mondays with Charlie. Coach, you kind of led into to the running back situation where. Tompkins and Scott were were available, but you had a number of the running backs out. Uh, Morrison, the kid out of Oklahoma, was watching. Uh, Gabe Irvin, who we've heard a lot of good things about, the the freshman uh, out of Georgia, was was out. Ramir Johnson, their most experienced guy, also was watching. And there's just not been a lot of availability uh, in some instances for the running room. Now, there's plenty of time to, to get that. Of course, Marquis step out with a foot issue. So, 
how do you uh, how do you look at that as a former coach with what Coach Held's working with in the running back room? Yeah, there's upside, there's talent, but there's not a lot of availability right now. Well, that's a, that's a test for your offensive line. And um, that's where you can see them maybe with more improvement because maybe they aren't getting up, you know, the, the, the best backs they can put back there who will make yards after they get hit and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, I think it, 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 your offensive line is going to make the difference in whether they're good or bad, whether okay. it's thrown or pass. And I don't care how you cut it. They got a pass block. They got a run block. And and nobody's going to say they're great or anything like that. Nobody even talks about them. They're all talking about the quarterback and the receivers and the running backs, and they put them in the tank. And that's why these guys, I remember, have they had so much fun because nobody ever talked about them, so they didn't have to worry about <laughs> anything. <laughs> so you know, but uh, you know, I think that. Um, you know, have, having a good stable of running backs is really, really important. I mean, it. You know, you you gotta you gotta put put people in and and reload them. I think the biggest thing that I've seen at Nebraska, except for last year, maybe they had one guy and and when Pliny was there, they had some good back, big some thugs. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Some hammers. Right, some thumper backs. And yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna get physically. You're not gonna make it through a year with 180, 90 pound guys. They're gonna get pounded. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty good. And um, then then you get to a point where we didn't really let up on any of them. I mean, we took some chances in practice because we, I mean, our stuff was kind of uh, you know was a little bit live and. Uh, then we had a scrimmage on every Wednesday. Both, uh, I think we had like 18 plays and uh, so many plays on the goal line uh, with our first two teams. And then threes and threes were over separately having a scrimmage. And, um, you know, so it was, um, you know, we, we kind of didn't, I, mean, I guess we didn't baby them, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, you protect each other. You don't cut. You don't do. You don't throw backs on the ground. You don't. You know, you wrap them up and you, you know, but you you hit them, but you don't take them down. You don't do all that, you know, stuff that comes with the end of it. <laughs> the end of tackling. You know, throw them on and screw them to the ground and mm-hmm. you know and stuff like that. So, but I, I think the biggest thing is they they've got to get those guys that. You know, they got a couple of guys that haven't even never played before, or, you know, that haven't done anything. And that's that's a big thing right there because you know that there's a guy there that you won't see, you won't know how good he really is till they get in the game. And some of these guys will be better than you think they are. There, uh, There's a lot of upside with some of these guys. The, the kid they got, Yant out of Tallahassee, is he's big he's as coach fisher was telling us 245 250 i mean he's thick he's thick and he's got some agility to him coach uh, charlie mcbride's with us mondays with charlie hale varsity radio coach uh, i saw this on facebook and i I was talking with coach brown last week he brought up brooke Beringer in reference to the transfer portal and how that's now uh, different than it's been, and, and he referenced Brooke and how he stuck things out 
and it's hard to believe 25 years has has come and gone with Brooks passing. But I wanted to get your thought on on just uh, Brooke and and what he meant to the program, and just because I know you 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 were close with guys that that didn't right. didn't always play defense, and Brooks a, a guy that I'm sure you yeah. spent some time well, with. You know, I I got I probably I got to know his mom pretty good because I've always run across her, and when mm-hmm. she came, I made it a point to always go say hello to her, and she was she's a sweetheart, mm-hmm. and you know, and Brooke Brooke was brought up right. Uh, you know, he was brought up to be loyal and to, and to do those things. And I, 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 I don't, you know, I can't guarantee it, but I, I don't think this thing would move him at all. This, this transfer thing. Sure. You know, I mean, he liked Nebraska. He loved it. You know, and um, you know, it, 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 he wouldn't. You know, it, it meant something to him. You know, he'd look like he had his dauber down sometimes, but. You know, inside of him, you know, he knew the good Lord was going to take care of him, and that's the way he lived. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was a, a kid that was really loyal to all the players and to the coaches. And, you know, and he just, uh, you know, and, and it came out. When he had to be good, he was good. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, he you, you can say he won a national championship course. I mean, I know that. You know, Tommy did it, but he took us through a year there that, you know, <laughs> that you know was very, very meaningful for him. And I, I think that he, you know, can be as proud as you can of, of what he did for the team. And that, that's what you are. This is a team. It's not this guy or that guy. It's everybody for you know has to protect each other and has to play for each other. And that. It's so simple. It's not. Uh, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And he was one of those guys you'd want on your team. Bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can get those kind of people, you're going to win a national championship. I'm promising you. You know, those are the kind of guys you got to have that will, you know, bend over backwards for mm-hmm. everybody. Charlie McBride's with us. Hail Varsity Radio, Coach. Thanks for for sharing your your thoughts on Brooke and appreciate your insight on I, that. Th- they had a jersey for him that I I I'd probably get on once a month. I wear it uh, with his number on it, and uh, they they had they was it was a black shirt they had with his number on it, and uh, you know they gave it to I don't know if they were selling them or what, but I sure. know that I was given one and I wear it still wear it think yeah. about him all the time. Well, thanks for sharing your your thoughts on Brooke and. Coach, you be well and safe tomorrow. Okay, we'll be thinking about you and and uh, okay. same to your family. And we'll we'll talk next week. And hopefully, you can give that that thermometer down here and up at your lake house a pep talk. Yeah, well, well I tell you, what, we'll make it through whatever they give us. That's right. That's good. Coach, you take okay. care. Appreciate you. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye now. There he is, Mister Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. Mondays with Charlie. That that's really cool. That he's got a a, a black shirt, uh, Brooke Beringer jersey that he'll wear once a once a month. He says, and I can see him out cutting wood. Or coach is probably pouring concrete, knowing him. <laughs> I mean, he's just he's an outdoorsman. Well, that's just that that that's that generation. Well, he's awesome. He's the best. So it's good to hear from Coach McBride and. Uh, Thoughts on Brooke, but also, you know, some insight there on the wide receiver room, Omar Manning, and the running game. 
and uh, what the O-line can do. Greg Smith, who's coming to town here in June and for the spring game and his thoughts on Saturday next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. That was good stuff from Charlie McBride. Running backs, wideouts, Brooke Behringer, remember, and Brooke. And uh, Coach's pep talk about the thermometer. It's 40 and rainy up there. We've had snow here. And it doesn't matter if there's snow or not, because Greg Smith will put on his Game of Thrones coat and fire up the grill. Greg, you're doing that now, aren't you? You're, you're talking to us around your grill. Man, I, I wish I could say I was, but this time I did not have the mental strength uh, <laughs> to go out there and do that. I have like weird photos of me out there in the rain, all sorts of stuff. Um, but oh boy, it's tough to get there. I think it's because the snow is so late, um, and we're all just disappointed and sad. No, man, we we need no teasing with this 85 degree three weeks ago. And then, you know, the sun's been on, on you know, 15-minute break for the last several weeks. Now, it's going to ramp up and be 70s and awesome here probably a week from today through the spring game, which will be nice because I know it's this this type of weather year-round. At least that's the that's what the recruits need to know, correct, with, uh, <laughs> with those visiting for the spring game on May 1st. Absolutely. This is where you remind them that. You know when people always put out those, like, San Diego of the Big Ten yeah. uh, memes? Like, <laughs> remind them that that stuff happens too, right? No, exactly. I, we'll get into some, some names and some, some recruiting here. But uh, first and foremost, uh, thanks so much for having me on your podcast. Uh, Heard at Media has a billion incredible podcasts. The Hale Varsity crew each has a podcast and the straight-up breakdown. Greg Smith is money. And, man, that was fun talking ball with you today. Uh, and, you know, I want to get your take here. Overreaction or appropriate reaction with, with Omar? Because the, the, many of us in the media are like, wow, whoa. <laughs> I mean, that's that's it. <laughs> That's the appropriate reaction because you don't see a dude like that every day, but it's also, you know, it's not Saturday. This didn't happen against uh, Ohio State or Penn State. Yeah, it's tough because of that, right? Because on one hand, uh, it was exactly what you would hope to see out of a guy that had the the hype surrounding him that he had, Um, and we just hadn't seen anything, right? That's also, it's been like a year in the making of being able to see him uh, because he got very limited action last year. It wasn't that Northwestern game. got one pass thrown his way, and that was basically it. Um, So on one hand, yeah, we saw some really good stuff from him on Saturday, so you want to tell people about it. On the other hand, I don't blame fans that are necessarily that are like, hey, no, man, we have to see this on Saturday before we kind of get on this train that Omar is going to be doing this consistently. So I understand both ways here, um, but we can only call it like we saw it. And he had a great day of practice, but it was just one practice, uh, but it was very impressive. No, Greg, it sounds like we had three receivers who were impressing out there in uh, Oliver Martin, Samari Toure, and Omar Manning. And, and you just went uh, went in on Omar Manning. Did, did he have the best day, or did these other two guys, uh, did they make things interesting just in terms of who had the best day at wide receiver? No, he had the best day. Um, I thought Toure looked um, the way that you expected him to look, um, kind of working in the slot. He was a little bit more limited. They didn't have him out there for all of the team periods. Um, I thought Oliver Martin did look good, and I think that that's – it shouldn't be necessarily a surprise given the profile of recruit that he was coming out of high school, but he's bounced around a little bit. So I think that people just don't know what to expect there. But you could see it last year that Oliver Martin was going to be a factor at some point just because he 
because he forced his way onto the field last year. So getting a full year under his belt, I think that'll help him even more. Uh, but those guys did have nice days, but but Omar Manning definitely stole the show on Saturday. And Adrian looked good. The the running backs were still waiting to to see more healthy, like a full crew. But Coach McBride made a great point. Like, doesn't matter who's run, who's back there running the ball. This gives your offensive line an opportunity, and that's what'll be exciting here in two weeks, Greg, is to see some smashing going on. We saw a little Nebraska drill, but that's a, that's about it for contact. Yeah, that'll be really good because, like we talked about this morning, uh, you and I, that it was t- the toughest thing I thought to judge uh, during that practice was kind of the lines of scrimmage, mm-hmm. which I actually think could end up being a couple of the strong points of this team in 2021. Uh, so it would have been nice to be able to really dig into seeing kind of those defensive line guys because that's a deep position group going against that offensive line that has a lot of promise, um, even as they kind of work out who's going to be the starting guards, uh, both left and right guard. Um, so that would have been nice to see. But, yeah, the spring game, we'll definitely get to see some more um, of that trench action. Now, now, Greg, I didn't hear a lot about a name that you and I have talked about, and Chris, too. Uh, sorry, I don't want to leave you out of this. Um, but a name that we've talked about a lot in the past years, Thomas Fedoni. Didn't hear a lot of his name on Twitter. Uh, how was his day on Saturday? It's good. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, it was pretty good. I thought that, you know, the times that I, I saw him out there, uh, he made a couple of nice plays. I know he had one nice catch up the seam uh, during practice. But I think I come away from that with the tight end picture thinking, yeah, they're going to work Fedoni in, and I think he's going to have every opportunity um, to play, but I think that physically, and, and this is probably rightfully so, like looking at him versus Austin Allen and Travis Vokalek, those two are just on a different level physically right now. They look like, you know, they should at 21, 22 years old, guys that have been in college football for a few years. So I think seeing Fedoni in like kind of a sporadic role is probably what you can expect, but those other, it's because those other two are pretty good players, um, but he made a couple of plays out there as well. Vokalek and, and Allen, I mean, they're, they're big they're bearded, they're mulleted, not all of them, but uh, I know Vokalik is. I mean, they have a minivan and, and, and seven kids. That's how big they look. I mean, they look like, you know, grown-ass men, you know what I mean? Compa- I mean not that Fedoni's not a big, athletic, lanky kid, but there's there's time in the weight room and there's time in Duvall's system, and Fedoni's just starting, and these guys have been in there, Greg, for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think, like I said, I, I don't, it's not necessarily a bad thing that you're hearing a bunch about those two compared to Fedoni because those guys are experienced and, and especially Austin Allen. I, I said this before here. I thought last year he would have won my most improved player award if, if there was such a thing and people cared about that. Um, he had a really nice year last year and I think he can have another step and I think Vokalek can have a similar impact um, this year as well. I'm high on that tight end group as a whole and I think Fedoni only being able to sprinkle in there is either a change of pace or them figuring out ways to continue to get him acclimated to college football, I think is, is a really good situation to have. Greg, we'll get into some visitors here in a minute. Uh, your take on the quarterback situation, did you see enough from Smothers or Harburg to pass on a grad transfer option post-spring, or are you keeping that door open? Boy, that's going to be tough, and that that, that is the question um, at that position, especially considering they only have two spots left uh, to bring guys in. I would say I did not see enough to close the door on bringing in a, a transfer quarterback um, here down the road, and mostly because I think that the team around Adrian Martinez is going to be pretty good, and it's, as long as you have Adrian healthy, I think that offense has a real chance. If he goes down, there's going to be a significant drop-off, and I think that that's just the 
a realistic view of it. Um, I like the long-term potential of both Harburg and Smothers. I think each of them has potential. Um, I think Smothers was not helped um, on Saturday by the fact that it's difficult to see. His his best weapon is his legs, mm-hmm. and so if quarterbacks are being tagged off on, it's really difficult to get a true gauge of what he's like in the QB run game. Um, so, But I, I really do think that you should keep that door open to this point, just based off of that, what the one practice that we saw. You know, you, you look at, at Smothers, who's working to get better at throwing the ball. Adrian looks different level good. And then Harburg, from the physical tool standpoint, you're like, wow, once he gets the playbook down and more time, I mean, sky's the limit. I think he's pretty good. This That leads me to some quarterback questions. So you got A.J. Morris coming in here May 1st. Uh, your takeaway with his visit, Torres is also visiting. And then uh, the, 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 the footage I saw of Reese Mooney, and he's, he's a pro-style guy, but they had him kind of a double-tight, bootleg-type quarterback I really like Reese Mooney, Greg, the, the 2023 kid out of Louisiana. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to like about him. And, I, like, interestingly enough, I think the 2023 quarterback may be the closest or the furthest along uh, down the road with Nebraska, the closest to committing, which is going to be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, Mooney just decommitted um, from his baseball commitment right. to Houston. Um, so that situation is wide open with the thought that Nebraska is a clear leader um, for him in, 20, in the 2023 class. It's never too early to have a quarterback um, locked up. Um, and with the 2022 kids, having what's probably your top two targets on campus here soon for the spring game is a big deal. MJ Morris um, is one of the better dual threat quarterbacks in the entire country. I, I think Nebraska battling Florida State there. And there's a lot to like about his skill set as a guy who can throw and run. And then Torres is a kid down in Texas who I think is going to do nothing but continue to add offers as he goes along through his senior season. was kind of under the radar, like a 6'5", 215-pound kid, uh, kind of a similar frame uh, to Harburg. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think he's a good-looking prospect, too. It'll be interesting to see what happens with those 2022 kids. And I think Nebraska sits in a good position with Reese Mooney for 23 as he gets set to come out maybe a couple of times here uh, over the spring and summer. Justin Williams. I mean, Elijah and I talked about the back out of Georgia, Dallas, Georgia. Kind of reminds me of a uh, the way he is shifty enough. Reminds me of Zeke. He's six foot, two bills. He, he's a high level four star back. I know he's visiting, but is is it West Virginia for him, or do you think Nebraska can flip him? I think Nebraska has a shot there. I think that any time a kid, um, and as Justin, I'm writing this for the notebook tonight, any time that a kid is coming out for that June 4th weekend, I think that if Nebraska has like room to make up in their recruitment, they have a chance to do that. And if they're ahead, they have a chance to push that lead even further because that's going to be a big weekend. Not only are they putting um, together a big-time visit list and having all those guys come at the same time, they're also going to be the return of Friday Night Lights that night as well or that weekend. Um, and, and so that's going to be a big deal to have those kids on campus. But Justin Williams is a really good-looking uh, running back. And it kind of, to me, it represents um, that shift and philosophy that we talked about a couple of weeks ago when it comes to running back recruiting and the size that they're looking for now at that position. Greg, about 30 seconds, uh, your feel on, on Popeye Williams, uh, outside linebacker, and also the, the two kids from Kansas here, uh, Marshall and, and Canick. 
Yeah, Popeye Williams, they got to get him here, right? Like, mm-hmm. you got to, if things are, are starting to trend the other way, um, and Nebraska was the leader at one point and haven't scheduled for that official visit, um, I, I never completely panic until, you know, someone verbally commits and doesn't make that visit. So Nebraska just needs to get him here and remind him of the reasons why he liked Nebraska in the first place. And then the kids out of Kansas, Jalen Marshall, defensive tackle, Nebraska's liked him for a long time. Um, and that'll be a highly anticipated visit as a kid that has some versatility along that line. And then Koenig is a kid that's really interesting, too, on the outside, could play wide receiver or defensive back. And might, it might be a kid that can come in the class as an athlete where you just get him, he's really athletic, and then you figure out what to do with him later, depending on what happens with the rest of the class. Greg Smith, uh, recruiting insider, HailVarsity.com and Magazine, at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. The Straight Up uh, Breakdown podcast on the Hurt Ad platform, also Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, and uh, check that out weekly with Greg. Greg, this was fun, man. Thanks for talking ball, and, and we'll uh, get caught up soon. Take care. Yeah, have a good one. Stay warm, guys. You too. There he is, Greg Smith. He'll put the parka on. He'll fire up some, some, some uh, ribs here. I know he will. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Greg Smith. The interview is going to be posted or are posted at ESPNLincoln.com. The on-demand section, go there. If you stream us, ESPNLincoln.com. But also the podcast will be up. Monday's show, a lot of reaction to Saturday's open session. Some wow factor uh, in there for sure. Charlie McBride, great stuff from him. Greg Smith and uh, great uh, insight on receivers from a receiver in Brandon Riley with us in hour one. We uh, are frustrated and upset for Husker volleyball. It sucks that they got ousted in the Elite Eight, but man, nothing to hang your head about. They've been incredible for them to get a season in, roll with the punches, and and have the year they did is incredible. You have an elite coach and a Hall of Famer and a Mount Rushmore type guy in John Cook and his team's culture and that team leadership. Listen, man, and I'm not Mr. Volleyball expert, but Texas could win the whole bleeping thing. They're good enough to beat Wisconsin. Yeah, and what Nebraska really needed was – more competition in their season. I, I don't want to go and say, oh, blame the Big Ten, blame Kevin Warren. But, I mean, they're, they're premier. There would be people in line with you but they're, as far as the non-con, getting, getting you ready, getting you. No non-cons. And on top of that, your best opponents from the year, for the most part, had to back out because of COVID. And, and Penn State and Iowa State, or Iowa, Ohio. Those were the only two. Yeah, and both those series were canceled and they weren't rescheduled. Those are the types of performances that you, you didn't need get to have. Wisconsin this year. So really, you had Ohio State and who else? Minnesota. Those are the oh, yeah, only Minnesota. two. Yeah. Right? So I mean, it's it's just you got to be able to play the top teams in your season to be able to not stand a chance against them in the postseason, but but to know what you're going to get. What's the you, level? What's the level? So I, I feel for him. It was still a great season given all the circumstances, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, you're right. Texas could go and win it all. They're 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 money. They they got. I hate. I just said that on the radio. <laughs> they are that talented. Mm-hmm. It just it just stings you though because. You hate, we all hate losing to that team. Not that we're fanboys here, but Texas is, it, it just sucks losing to Bevo, period. In baseball, it sucked when it happened. And Coach Van Horn in Nebraska did a really good job against Texas while in the Big 12. You know how we feel about losing to him in football. I mean, it was just irate and irritating. 
And then in volleyball, it was no bueno either. Mm-hmm. And, and what also makes this loss hurt a little bit more is just you don't know how many years John Cook has left. He he, he brought in Tyler Hildebrand. Was that last offseason? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of seemed like a, a next coach waiting in the wings. He's 64, though. He's 64, but I did see from that match today, Hildebrand did a lot of the coaching uh, in the timeouts and, and stuff like that. I wonder if it's a... Uh, do, do you think he's getting ready to step away or not? I do. Really? Like, like, like we're getting a, an announcement in no, two days? No, no, no. Not, not, not anything like that. But I feel like this is going to be definitely an offseason where he's, he starts considering it. How much longer do I, do I really want to be coaching volleyball? Or, or do I want to go spend my time with my wife and enjoy retirement? Sure. Well, he can do whatever he wants. He's phenomenal. And you look at his coaching tree, that's exceptional as well. And I hope Nebraska gets him as long as he wants to do it. We'll, we'll talk with Jacob Badilla tomorrow at uh, 5 o'clock. His take on Nebraska's volleyball season, some Husker hoops thoughts, and some spring football takeaways. Uh, Rick, Rick Kaczynski will be with us tomorrow. And Mitch Sherman will join us. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776. And uh, find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. We're two weeks away from the NFL draft. And a, a guy that I think you, you could see end up going number three overall it's, it's Fields, it's Mac, it's Mac, it's it's Fields, right? You're the Niners. Who are you taking? You going Mac Jones or you going Justin Fields? Or are you going other? Oh, I'm going Justin Fields. I am too. I, I mean, I think there's still a dang good argument. I, I feel like the Jets should, like him, should still like be him better than Wilson. I, I think the Jets sh- should have a, a very tough choice come draft night, whether they want to go Zach Wilson or, or Justin Fields, but... I don't know. Part of me thinks Justin Fields over Wilson just because of the talent he has played with and against mm-hmm. in his time at Ohio State. Um, obviously, I don't think anyone in this draft, I, I don't want to say holds a candle to Trevor Lawrence. There's been people saying that they have um, Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence in their in their quarterback rings. I think that's there, ridiculous. There, there's, there's very few that do. But, I mean, those guys battled their ass off against one another in two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it... You saw Fields get the revenge last year in the semifinal, and then you saw Trevor Lawrence get smoked, have to go out of the game, and then rip off a 60-yard run to lead the comeback two years ago. You had some epic games between Ohio State and Clemson with both those guys at quarterback. So, would you make too much of the Sports Illustrated story about Trevor saying, I don't have a chip on my shoulder, and that's okay? People are motivated differently. I mean, do you think Andrew Luck came into the NFL with a chip on his shoulder? No, he, he, was he, was, fine. he was a generational talent. And the thing is about generational talents is if they go to the right place and give you give them a system in which that they can flourish, like and Andrew Luck had and, and talent yeah. around him, yeah, it, I don't care if he's got a chip on his shoulder or not. He's that what's, good. What's he had to be pissed about? Exactly. <laughs> he gets away with wearing his hair like he does. He's... Is he engaged or married? Just, or, just got married, like, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, so he's married, probably, like, high school sweetheart, like, right? And the guy was a high-level quarterback, came in, was as good as advertised to unseat a guy who took Clemson to the playoffs the year before in Bryant, and and then goes and wins a title and goes and competes against Alabama. Now, 
He has one national championship to show, which is impressive. Great, awesome, wonderful. But no Heisman, right? And he has nothing to be upset about. He, he's just kind of a driven guy, and that's how he works. The other end of the extreme is Tom Brady, who still is angry that he got jerked around at Michigan and quite simply still furious about being a sixth-round pick. That's okay, too. If you have a dark little dungeon you can go to to piss yourself off and and manufacture motivation, you do what works for you. I mean, I remember Grant telling us, Wistrom, before games, he would figure out something to be angry about. Maybe it was the color purple that Kansas State was wearing, but it worked, and he'd go ball out. So I, I don't for him to go public with Sports Illustrated and say, yeah, I'm not the uh, been disrespected guy, whatever it takes. There's the Steve Smiths and, and Tom Brady's out there that are overlooked and offended and stay butthurt, and that's fine. That's completely fine if it works for them. There's also the instance, too, of that us against the world, and it's great, and it can be big for a game, or it can be big for about three games. How long can you ride that, though? Yeah, but, but then you, on the, you also have the guys like, I mean, they're all generational talents, but that's what Trevor Lawrence is. Yeah, the the John Elways, he, he wasn't even going to play football. He said, I don't even care about this sport that much. I'm no, gonna he play was going to wear short shorts, have a bad Pete Rose haircut, and having seven pounds of skull men in his left jaw. Yeah. That's what he was about. He's going to play for the Yankees. Yeah, and he ended up fine, right? Peyton Manning, I don't think he had a chip on his shoulder. I already mentioned Andrew Luck. I mean, you don't need to have motivation if you've got the talent. Right. It, it's, it helps, it, but... Well, it's about, like, working on your craft. If the mm-hmm. guy's not... If you got a passion. If, he, if he's bent out of shape because he got passed over, he's going to work that much harder. These other guys put the same level of work in to get better. We'll wind down on Monday. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time. Uh, good stuff today. Charlie McBride, Mr. Blackshirt, Greg Smith, recruiting insider Hale Varsity, former Husker standout wide receiver Brandon Riley, what he saw from Booby. Omar Manning and the rest of the receiving crew. So check the podcast out, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Give us a rating. Give us the good, bad, and ugly feedback. We love hearing it so we can get better or continue to uh, uh, impress if that happens. So uh, there we have it for the Hale Varsity podcast. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Give us a rating. A reminder about buckling up 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska. Not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, seatbelts can reduce the risk of fatal injury up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Elijah, it is your floor now on boxing over the weekend. I did not watch anything Saturday night boxing related. I came home and took uh, the bunny out for Mexican it was great. We had a few margaritas, came home, fell asleep. It was good. Yeah, margaritas so, have that effect for it sure. It was wonderful. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a, just a good Saturday night after a day of football in the north end zone. Tell me how the, the boxing shook out, because I love boxing. Well, you should be glad you did not waste your $50 on that bleep show of an event. 
So what happened? Jake Paul and Ben Askren. That was one of the, I mean, I, I don't think I'm going out that far on a limb here and saying that was a scripted event. It wasn't even fixed. That thing was more scripted than WWE. Okay. Jake Paul came out before this fight and said, yeah, I, I'm dedicating this to my, my uh, let's see, his uh, bodyguard who uh, passed away a little over a week mm-hmm. before the fight. And, and he said before he died, he, he told me he had this uh, this very vivid dream that said I would be knocking out Ben Askren a minute and 20 seconds into the first round. And I heard that and I went, oh, oh, th- th- it's going to be one of those nights, isn't it? Where it, it looked like Ben Askren was paid off to get – a certain amount of time into this fight and then as soon as the punch landed it just drop and, and I, I will admit Jake Paul got him with a, a pretty good right overhand and uh and Ben Askren hit the mat hard and I don't think that it knocked him out in the slightest I think Ben Askren said I can take a punch I've been a professional fighter for the past decade hit me as hard as you can in the face I will go down on the on the mat and you will win the fight it, it, it did not seem to me to be anything close to a legitimate boxing match. Ben Askren was leaving the fight smiling. His wife was hugging him because he just took home a bigger paycheck than he has ever taken home in his life. And I think he got that big paycheck because they did it said in the paperwork, Jake Paul is going to knock you out in the first round. You're going to take a fall. Um, even if you stand up, the ref's going to call it up. He was fine to fight after he stood up, after getting knocked down, even if it was a legitimate knockdown. And it, it was rigged in that sense and that the, the ref called it early. I was completely frustrated that I even wasted my time watching that event and uh, all around just uh, an embarrassment uh, for the sport of boxing. <sighs> Jake Paul's done well for himself. He's done, oh, he's done great for himself, and I'm sure he made a boatload of money off that fight. But I tell you one, if he's fighting anybody else in the near future, I will not be wasting my money or my time watching it. All right. So there's a unhappy customer. <laughs> so you didn't go over to somebody else's house and have them order it? Oh, I, I did do that, but we all we all pitched so you, in. So you actually pitched, you paid? Yes, unfortunately. So they've been on the receiving end, or oh... Tyson just murdered somebody. There's 30 seconds into the fight. I'm still waiting on a payday from 1998. (laughs) All right, back at you tomorrow at 4. Thanks for tuning in to Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.